topic of this episode is dedicated to Xfinity. Because <laughs> you're as bout quality as this person's empire. <laughs> so that's the normal amount of rum for an episode. You just said the X word. Wife? <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome that's, that's to enough, another right? lovely and tainty and late episode of the Black Tower podcast brought to you by Xfinity being absolute trash and Josh being very annoyed. I am one of your wonderful and illustrious and very deluded hosts, Daniel. What the hell are you deluded with? One part Daniel, six parts. Deluded, not diluted. That's a a fancy big word. I got a South Carolina public (laughs) education now. But you knew diluted. Yeah. That's when you die with a flute near your mouth after getting fucking snooted, all right? You die looted. Uh, I'm your southern United States public education, my hell, Andrew. That's spelled QR69 square. (laughs) That's how you spell Andrew. Mute my track for the last, like, 30 seconds. Oh, I'll just cut it out. And I am censorship male. <laughs> <laughs> you That's better right. not I'm be. So, You're on the wrong show for that. I'm so foul and so terrible that Xfinity's like, no, throttle this dude's internet. He's about to talk again. <laughs> Josh, the the Sorovan Mahale. Uh, You've gone over your are. public speaking quota. <laughs> uh, yeah. There we go. We're gonna throttle You've worded shit. too much. You've worded too much. Too many words. Wow, you just to let you all know, we do love you all, and we appreciate that you are bearing with us through this difficult Xfinity time. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, this man. is the Black Tower Podcast, a Wheel of Time podcast. We are your three Mahales. We will be teaching you all how to get tainty. So as Josh usually says, but I'm going to do it for him just in case his internet sucks, please line up in single file. Behave yourself in an orderly fashion to receive in your, this In your gars to make sure that you can go ahead and receive your weekly dose of taint straight from the Mahale's mouth and into your ears. That's like If you want to play like a, a fun a... drinking game, Every time no, Josh no. gets fucked by Xfinity, take a shot. There you go. No, Andrew, we're trying to gain followers, not kill followers. They can't unsubscribe if they're not around. <laughs> oh, just because it's true doesn't oh, mean to say it out loud. And Andrew's bringing in the dark humor portion of the oh. evening. It's been a Speaking long fucking which, day, guys. This is a nice transition uh, for the Gathering Madness that we are doing in uh, October in less than a month. um, We have been charged in some ways uh, with going ahead and doing a drinking game while we are watching the Wheel of Time show again. I thought you meant criminally, and I was like, what the fuck do we do? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. (laughs) We are being charged by one of our charges. Uh, that we should do a Wheel of Time drinking game. Um, And the suggestion was every time Perrin is useless, 
we're supposed to take a shot and i was like we die before the end of episode two. Oh god like in the tv show yes exactly Yep, so we got to figure out a different drinking game to do while we are doing our watch-through of The Wheel of Time, the television show. But y'all have heard it here before, uh, those of you who are listening live. If you are not listening live, then there's a small chance that you won't actually be able to attend because it is late enough. But if you can, get on those flights, get on those tickets, RSVP to the... Uh, the Gathering Madness on blacktowerpod.com. Uh, it's going to be super fun. We already have events scheduled. We already have things that we're going to be doing. We have guests. We have drinking games. We have cocktail contests. We have Taste the Taint. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely you don't want to miss it if you can be there. Come on down. Come to Los Angeles. It's going to be in Roland Heights. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we'd love for you to be there. And if you cannot make it in person... We do understand flying is expensive, as is driving. Uh, And some of you have other obligations, which is totally fine. Definitely come on down and see what we're doing virtually, because we will have the vast majority of what we're doing recorded, uh, and you'll be able to jump into it either live or possibly soon after the event, depending on what uh, the way that we record certain things at certain times. Um, But... It's going to be fun. Definitely come on down. And also a great opportunity to hear Josh without Xfinity screwing him over. (laughs) Correct. Uh, Which, as you may have noticed, given that he is no longer saying things and the fact that we are referencing that, uh, he is gonzo. And if you're listening live in Discord because you're one of our patrons and you no longer see Josh's name in the voice channel, uh, that's probably why. I'm just going to take a wild, you know, uneducated guess here that that's what happened. Um, I was I was watching and just waiting for the the circle around like his this picture to just start lighting up as oh, yeah. the patrons got a sneak preview into Josh just <laughs> reaming into uh in the Xfinity. Um, Indeed, that would have been funny. But uh, if you want to know someone else that definitely probably shares in Josh's Xfinity struggles, go and check out the Crystal Barista. You can easily get to the Crystal Barista's website by going to blacktowerpod.com and clicking on the Indiana Jones-esque rock-hounding chibi down towards the bottom. The Crystal Barista is our official and long-term and very kind uh, channel sponsor. So if you enjoy minerals and rocks and gemstones and just all-around cool people that you can go and look for these gems and rocks and stuff with, especially if you live in the Ogden, Utah area, uh, go and check out the Crystal Barista. Indeed. Oh, All that things. being said, there is a gnat in my room. Rude. And I don't... See, the worst thing about having a gnat flying around near like your computer setup is the trying not to break your microphone or a monitor or if not, just... you know, your open monster drink across your desk trying to like, kill a gnat. <laughs> what? Monster. <laughs> is delicious no 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 i'm just i'm reacting to the getting monster all over your setup that's the the oh, oh i do no. declare i've lost a few keyboards in my day <laughs> i believe you i don't think that's any of them been to monster rough. Hmm? that's fair but anyway um 
we're going to get into this uh, this week's, today's, whatever you want to think of its episode. Uh, if Josh is able to join us again, he will. If he's not able to join us again, he won't. Um, and so you will either be thankfully or horribly stuck with just Daniel and I. <laughs> uh, and it may fluctuate between those emotions as we speak. But Usually bef- yeah. Well, before we get into today's topic, before we even mitch today's topic, because it's not a name you learn until further in the series than like, I don't know, book three, after book three. Do you learn book four? I think it's oh. after book four. Great hunt. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Chapter really? 34. That's third. Second. Fucking no, out. Green Hunt is second. Yeah. Yeah. But first appears in Winter's Heart. So. There we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Oh, okay. I know why it says first mention in the Great Hunt. Because it doesn't actually use their name. It uses like a title. Uh, yes. That's okay. why you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yep. sneaky fucks. Yes. Yes, sneaky bastards. We should just do a whole episode where we talk all about a character that you don't see until later <laughs> on and just like vaguely mention things without mentioning the name. But right, speaking so this of a name, is be a spoiler free episode because we're just going to be so vague that we say nothing. Of- there's like a person and they like do some stuff because there's like a prophecy. Yeah, that, that guy in that movie about that thing that they do uh, that one time. Yeah. That, that thing you do is actually a good movie. I quite enjoy that It's such movie. a good movie. It's one of my favorites. Every day just doing that thing you Speaking do. Speaking of people that do that thing they do, here's your spoiler warning, courtesy of the lovely and fantastic Norm. Hello, I'm Tam Sorrell Norm. You may remember me from the Dusty Wheel or the Black Tower podcast. I'm here to give you a public service announcement about spoilers, as this episode may contain some. As if you didn't already know that, like watching the film Titanic and being surprised that the boat sinks at the end of the movie. Hello, moron. The movie is called Titanic. Of course, the boat fracking sinks. This show is called the Black Tower Podcast, as in from the Wheel of Time. And these three guys are Ashaman. Well, at least two of them. I don't know about that, Josh King. Anyway, you have been warned. <laughs> Can I just say I love that you use that one for this particular fucking episode? Because <laughs> the fact that Josh is gone, <laughs> no self-respect. Hey, Josh, I'm gonna say, look at me, look at me. I know you're watching this because you missed this episode. Look, look right here. No self-respecting Ashman has this many troubles with the internet. Get your shit together. How have you not <laughs> bail fired Xfinity to get a new company in? What the right? hell? You go kissing uh, fool woman. <laughs> Mother's milk in a cup. All right. So it's Andrew, either really great aim we? or homelander. Anyway. What are we talking about this week? Uh, so uh, this week we're gonna do like we have so uh, many many times and uh, this is one of the ones oh god no oh live chat no why why did i mention homelander uh and mother smoking a cup um so i feel it's either been forever and a day since we've done an episode on this person or we never got around to doing an episode on 
the individual initially known, who eventually becomes the artist formerly known as Tuan Athem Kor Pendrag, also known as the Daughter of the Nine Moons, who eventually becomes uh, the Empress May She Live Forever of the Shan Chan Empire. Uh, where her name, of course, changes to Tua, uh, not to Tuan, to Fortuona Atham Devi Pendrag. 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 Uh, and yeah, more sorry, I agree. Homelander ruined drinking milk out of a, a sippy cup with a nipple for me, too. It's <laughs> the full immersive but he drinking is experience. He's such a good actor. Oh, he is. Uh. You think that like I he can hate you think, him like, so much. His character is such dog shit, but the actor is so good that I just want to like him so much. <laughs> oh god. You think he keeps like milk stocked at his house anymore? Or is he just like, I can't do it? Or well, is like, okay, or it's like okay. oh, if he gets into an argument with like his family, he just starts slowly like drinking from a glass of milk, and they're just like, "I can't." <laughs> it's just, just your argument is invalid. Just, uh, uh, you're right. You just, you're correct. I'm done. Can't argue with a man with a milk mustache. It's also true that I don't know whether he had milk stocked before he got the role. So if he did have milk stocked before the role, I'm pretty sure he still does. If he didn't before, then he probably doesn't. Because I don't feel like a role like that totally changes who you are as the core of your human beingness. I'm looking at some of these gifts in the live chat, and it looks like his entire life is being totally changed. So even for a good actor, like that's some good fucking milk, apparently. I mean, sometimes. Like, like one, like the first gift that is like the the. The stereotypical scene where he gets busted, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, it literally looks like somebody like Photoshop edited uh, a scene from an adult film. It's true. Anyway, uh, we're not the Homelander podcast thing. That is correct. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Tuan. Yes. The daughter of the nine moons. The person Matt is terrified of meeting for like, I don't know. You know, there's actually a surprising, like, fundamental similarity between Fortuona and Homelander. Both of them are actually kind of better than the, like, horrible alternative, but they're also pretty shit. So there's that. I was almost right. I was counting, all right? When I said he's terrified of meeting her for eight books, I was close enough. (laughs) because <laughs> technically Witcher's Heart is the ninth book so I'm just really bad uh, which book is in which order actually he's really terrified of meeting her for five books because he only finds out about her in the fourth one so is that when he gets the prophecy fair yeah. enough whatever doesn't matter <laughs> uh, it's okay. as- as a review I read of the Black Tower podcast said, we don't even get facts right and we don't research, so. <laughs> Obviously not us. That's what we have our fact checker for. Indeed. 
Uh, and again, as I've said to multiple people, I love the conversational nature of this podcast. And if we actually went through the books and did all of the like post-it noting and, and so much background and things like that, it would be great. I'm not saying that there isn't a lot of benefit to that. So if that's what you do on your podcast, more power to you. That's awesome. But I like conversational podcasts more than essay podcasts. So my humble opinion is that it's more fun when you are actually just knowledgeable enough about the source material where you make some mistakes, but most of what you say is close enough to on point. Uh, Eventually. Rather than the ones that are actually like, no, 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 everything that I absolutely say 100% is always true, but you lose some of that conversational nature and you also lose some of that sort of off the cuff, which I very much appreciate. But anyway. That's a different story. That's a different thing that we're talking about. Fortuona. She shows up in the ninth book. Yeah. She Uh, is small. She has no hair. That's really it. We're done with the episode. Um, It's already (laughs) over. So this is after um, the, uh, the Empress at the time whose name I am blanking on. Because it's during Radahana's reign that the Corrine and the Helene uh, begin. It's also interesting, I didn't know this. This is an interesting thing to add in here. I don't know whether Fortuona will continue this tradition, but Empress Radhanin's name was never used by her subjects or her ministers. Which is one of the reasons that we don't really know the name. That is true, yeah. It's definitely in the books that they do not really talk about it. They mention her as the Empress regularly. They talk about the Empress. They say the line of, you know, the Empress, may she live forever, like blah, 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 all of that different stuff. But the name itself comes up very infrequently, if ever. But yeah, so... Oh, wait, no, because she's assassinated. I was thinking of somebody else. Yeah. That's like the the Shang-Chan general that leads, like, the return or whatever that fucks up and gets deposed and... Oh, like, yeah. She, yeah, it gets, like, super culturally fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, Ron Hanan is, uh, is killed. And uh, Tuan is actually uh, the second favorite daughter. She's the second daughter. The first favorite. Oh, second and the favorite. Second sorry. Daughter. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, um... Yeah, did we? Have, did they ever explore like the significance? I know they do. Uh, I know they have to. I just don't remember it of the nine moons, whole thing, because the Empress's court and where the Crystal Throne sits is known as part of or, or uses the Council of the Nine Moons. Um, as far as I am remembering, they never actually give give you the information in the books of exactly what the nine moons are or why it's called that it's just the significance that it's called that because of the prophecies that matt is given um i do not remember there being a ton of significance um yeah uh, I do not remember it being called the Nine Moons having real significance outside of Matt's experience. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, or its it relevance is, to Matt. Yeah. So the Court of the Nine Moons is more like, so it is the physical room. It is the throne room of the Shan Chan. Yes. Uh, it is Empire. where the Crystal Throne is located. Yeah. Um, we also never me. really get enough, or uh, n- never get a whole lot of information about why it's called the Crystal Throne either. This is true. I don't know. So, I blame it on Alter Alter uh, Arter Pandrag Tanriel. Yeah. yeah, blame it on his son. I think the son is the one that goes over to Shantan, and the daughter is the one that goes to Sauron. Correct. Um. Anyway, um, that's more Shantan lore than it is the the actual person we're talking about. I guess. Seeing Indeed. Hedges and distractions. Um. Well, so, so let's let's talk about a couple of Shantran Chan traditions just real quick to go ahead and give you the foundation for Tuon. Um, there is the royal family that is uh, the ruling class that is called the Blood in Shantran. Um, they are specifically, supposedly, descendants directly in a line to Arthur Pandrag Tenrail um, or Arthur Hawkwing. Um, and you're never quite sure how diluted or like actually direct the line is anymore because the Sean Chan are known for taking new names and doing mm-hmm. things along that line. And so it could just be names at this point because the royal family is very, very much known for its backstabbing and uh, scheming and things like that. And so you're not really quite sure what has happened in the many, many years between the time that Arter Hawkwing's children left Randland or the Westlands um, and their return. Uh, and now they are returning from another continent. They are trying to take back Randland, which they see as their rightful homeland. Um, and they are doing that with this sort of small like herald force if you will that's coming in to go ahead and herald the return of the shan chan to their rightful lands um small presumably, by shan chan standards yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah presumably they will bring the rest of their forces at some point once they hmm. send word that it's good enough to come and conquer or whatever well, yeah. right i mean because i say small and it depends on I guess the segment of forces that we're talking about, because we know they send um, a large number of forces, especially naval forces, um, to the the southern part, um, well, south of the Westlands, a part of the uh, the Aerith Ocean, um, and they establish uh, control over Trimble King. Yep. Um, and they kind of use it as like a base of operations that they try to go up the coast, and of course, the first thing they try to do is try to take full. Um, yep, which uh, fails horribly. Uh, so then they go to the kind of closer um, and more easily to take a more e- more easy. I can't believe I almost actually said that phrase. And the easier uh, to take over uh, Ebudar. Correct. Uh, but anyway, so they basically send this uh, expeditionary force that's very large by the Randland army standards, but is a very small population of Sean Chan. And it's never really said how much of their army 
it's a percentage of, but presumably it's a not even half of them thing. Um, and they are here to go ahead and, and take over the continent for the Empress, who at the time is Empress Radhanan. Uh, and Chuan comes with them. Uh, she is not there right from the beginning. She is not part of the force that actually tries to take Falma, and she is not actually part of the initial force that takes Abu Dar, but she does show up in Abu Dar once the city is taken, or once the, the country is taken. Um, and slight and, correction to what I said earlier, they didn't immediately go Abu Dar after Falma. They... After Falm, after a pushback from Falma, they then went to, they actually did take Terabon and Abadisia, and then they continued into Ebudar and Southern Altara. Correct. Altara, yeah. Um, so again, we've mentioned this a couple of times, but Fortuona is known as the Daughter of the Nine Moons, because that is what a princess or a to-be empress of the Shan Chan is called. Um, presumably it would be a son of the nine moons if they were, you know, going to be emperor. Uh, because as we've mentioned, the crystal throne, which is the seat, the high seat of power in Shan Chan is called the crystal throne. Uh, and it is located in the court of the nine moons. Matt gets a prophecy relatively early on in the series, if you're actually looking at all 14 books, that he will marry the daughter of the nine moons. And he runs around for four and a half books, basically just being like, are you the daughter of the nine moons? Are you the daughter of the nine moons? What does it mean to you when I say the daughter of the nine moons? And almost everybody is like, nothing. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then finally, he meets this young woman who has just come off of a Shan Chan ship with her... Uh, nursemaid and bodyguard Seleucia, who is relatively unassuming, but she's in Abu Dar and she's a guest of Queen Thailand because Thailand is basically being forced under Shan Chan customs because she doesn't want to lose her power. Um, and the Shan Chan are strong enough to have taken over Abu Dar. Um, but their method of taking over places is to force people to swear oaths to the old empire and the new empire. Um, and then they basically like get folded into the Shan Chan in a lot of ways because they're given a lot of latitude, um, even though they're now presumably like considered subjects of the Shan Chan. Uh, but again, most of the rulers are still allowed to rule as long as they take the, the new oaths. They're allowed to still keep most of their power in view or in, in sort of uh, in the view of the people, even though a lot of the Shan Chan are basically calling the shots and forcing some of the rulers to do things that they want. Um but they're effectively allowed to keep their titles and their lands that are now just Shan Chan lands under them. Um, and so Thailand is basically hosting Tuan as a royal guest because she's Shan Chan. Um, 
and she's running around Tylen's palace and Matt runs into her uh, and she basically says like it's very interesting that you have this uh, fox head medallion and this you know ring that is a, a that has a sigil of ravens and your uh, your um uh not al kadal uh the ashandari yeah the ashandari uh has you know this old script on it that talks about you know the the ravens and different things like that and tuan is incredibly beholden to signs and omens and portents and she knows all of these different things to be signs of we're not 100% sure because she's never super clear about it. But like all of these things to be signs. And so the first time that she meets well, there's Matt, the fortune. Like, oh, that's very interesting. Because there is a demone that does like give, give her a fortune about Correct. the man that she would marry. Um, that is this, is, this is after, of course, they, they take Ebudar. Um, mm-hmm. And then Tuan kind of shows up, kind of as like, I would imagine she is showing up as like an advanced uh, leader. I mean, she is number two in the leadership hierarchy, yep. um, which is why she's also the target for so many assassination attempts, um, especially after um, her her mother is assassinated. But I imagine she's sent over and is like, you know, look, you know, her mom is like, I as the Empress will maintain the crystal throne. You can go and have the quartz throne, even though, yeah, no quartz still makes a crystalline structure, but whatever. Um, I see watching watching some of uh, the crystal Barista's videos helps out. I, right, crystalline crystals are just actually just the structure; it's not an actual thing. Um, Indeed, but yeah, I don't know. They give her some other kind of throne structure. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that's why she's there in the first place. That would that would make sense. That would explain why she is in Ebu Dar um, and not in Terabon or anywhere else. Because if she was just going out to survey like the damage of the land, like there's no reason for her to necessarily predominantly land in Ebu Dar or stay in Ebu Dar and be hosted at the palace uh, at Thailand's palace. Um, but yeah, so it, it is there where. Uh, Matt has found himself uh, a Demane and thinks he's doing a great service to the Demane, um, which in some ways he is, but I think at the time the Demane is like, no, fuck this, like, you're doing a horrible thing. And he's like, I don't care, you're coming with me. Um, Hmm. It's a little six in one, half dozen in the other, because he actually finds a number of Demane, um, and they kind of span the gamut hmm. of everywhere from i'm already very broken and i don't think that there's a way out of this and you should just not be doing what you're doing because i don't want to be freed because it's just going to be worse for me when they catch me again after i'm freed all the way up to yeah let's fucking go i'm done with this shit i absolutely need to leave (laughs) you're right it is plural demonic um but yeah but it's what's what I always found was that was very interesting in the the passage. And yes, it's probably because well, not probably, it's definitely because of the fortune and the omens and everything that Tuan sees all this. And whenever Matt's like, You're coming with me too, she Tuan's just like, Okay. All right, well, yeah, let's 
Yeah, I love I love this scene in some ways because again, as you hit the nail right on the head, um, it's a little bit six in one, half dozen in the other of she has effectively stumbled on to Matt doing something that is absolutely treasonous to this Sean Chan empire. Now, granted, Matt isn't Sean Chan, and he doesn't want to be, and he's never actually really going to be like a Sean Chan subject in so many ways, because that's just who Matt is. He's barely even like an Andorian subject. Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, the, he doesn't really care to be fully honest what he's doing, that what he's doing is treasonous, but like, he's definitely going to get just absolutely murdered if he gets caught. I mean, he's not because he's got plot armor, but again, ostensibly he's going to just be absolutely murdered if he gets caught doing what he is and so matt immediately goes all right well you're coming with us because you've now seen too much and if we let you go you're gonna tell somebody and you're gonna give us away and we're gonna get in huge trouble and it's going to stop everything that i need to have happen from happening so congratulations you stumbling on us means you're coming with us and of course then Tuan also like goes i know a lot of things that i'm not necessarily supposed to know as a human being because i've seen the you know heard these foretellings and uh follow these signs and have all these portents and things like that so i know that i need to go with you so okay yeah kidnap me that's what's happening just kidnap me, daddy. Like, that's what, what we're doing from now on. And so it's this, like, super weird, wonderful scene where Matt thinks that he's doing this thing. And then she's like, okay, I guess we're doing this thing. And he's like, please just go along with this thing. And she's like, yeah, okay, sure. That's happening. Uh, and, like, Seleucia is just beside herself that this is happening and Tuan's just like hey Solusha calm down this is happening now and we're just we're just gonna go <laughs> yeah and it's like the toughest time Solusha has ever had like maintaining her station oh yeah um oh yeah but it's it's cool because we get to see a lot about the dynamic about how the um the 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 Kova the Kobla the yeah that one the dock of l what the 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 nature of the relationship with the people they serve um at least uh, amongst the the high blood because in some ways Lucia and and tuan are very formal at all times but there's these instances where they just they can speak freely and they're yeah. all and they're you know pretty much friendly um and Seleucia shows a great deal of devotion uh, to Tuan um, and an incredible readiness to just shank a motherfucker for Tuan. Like, doesn't care. Like, I'm pretty sure whenever, like, Matt bumps into her, like, they run into her for the first time, like, Seleucia is like, I'm a fucking stab. And he's just kind of oh, like, yeah. how about you, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> no. That I would like hurt. my parts being where they are. Yeah. I like my blood like I like my pizza inside my body. Yep. But um, but I mean so there is another not how thing. everybody is, but 
yeah, definitely yeah, no. not what not uh not what i expected um having read you know part of how a lot of the blood acts um yes. especially like whenever we met um turok oh yeah down and down to fallen i'm like oh okay oh, like, he's they're, a they're horrible to everybody. everybody under him yeah. yeah but um no i thought it was pretty cool but yeah yeah. So anyway, uh, Tuan and Seleucia get kidnapped by Matt in this scene where he's trying to free a number of Demane, uh, I believe all of which are actually former Aes Sedai, um, and therefore Marath Demane technically, but you know, Demane for short. Um, and so they're, they get out of the city, they go to, um, to Oh, for sake, what's his name? Um, Arden? No, the circus. What's his name? Valen Luca. Luca. Valen Luca is traveling circus. In his well-turned uh, calves. Yes, indeed. They hide there for a while until it's very clear that they can't really hide there anymore. Um, and uh, then they they leave there. They run around for a little while. Uh, and then... Tuan goes back to Abu Dar to find out that the entire city and the Shan Chan homeland are effectively just plunged into chaos because Semarag has just murdered with help basically the rest of the royal family. Like all of the rest of the people in Tuan's immediate family are dead sisters brothers mother nothing is said about her father so i imagine that he's not really there but like all of her siblings and her mom and like four of her cousins who were also in line to go ahead and be the empress if tuan didn't make it are all dead every single one of them and she's just like oh great this is really fucked uh, and so she enlists the help of a number of very, very close uh, allies and very, very devoted uh, people to the, the Shanxian Empire. And she goes, all right, I guess what we're doing now is going after the White Tower. Because what we need right now is a show of strength uh, and to basically get back to what we were doing here in the first place. And what we need is as many Marathamane as we can get a hold of, um, as well as to show the continent that we're basically still strong. Um, and so they do this sort of raid on the White Tower, and it does not go badly for them, even though oh. it's not fully successful. They do a, a little just before um because uh, the the plan for the raid for the white tower was definitely already there there was already something that the shantran empire was looking at but uh and i think this is uh, important foreshadowing for how tuan acts later on tuan puts the plan on a hold once she knows she is supposed to be meeting with the dragon reborn that is because she says we will do this Possibly. She's like, I will make my decision on if to move forward or not after I meet with the Dragon Reborn. Correct. And they meet. And it doesn't go well. And Tuan 
that's when she turned around and she's like, uh, I'm motherfucking Empress Fort Water, bitch. And uh, go get the White Tower. Yeah, that is very true. Because in this particular meeting, well, so Rand has been tricked at this point into meeting with Tuan. That's not actually Tuan because it's Semarok. Yeah. And she blows his hand off with a fucking fireball that's intended for men that he stops using his goddamn hand. And so he is very mad and very not looking to negotiate with anyone, especially the Empress of the Shanchan, because he knows that he didn't meet with her. Like, after their meeting, he knows that it was the Forsaken. But oh, yeah. we all know that if you were to actually meet with someone who had the face of someone else, and it went horribly wrong, you would be affected by that when you actually met, went to meet with the person who you were legitimately supposed to meet with. Uh, even if you know that they're not the person you just met with, it's still going to affect your judgment. Now, again, I am not just waving my hand and trying to justify Rand's actions. He's a douche in the meeting with Tua. He absolutely yeah. comes in and tries to browbeat the shit out of her and tell the Sean Chan what they are and aren't going to do, and that he's the big bad dragon reborn, and they're going to listen to him, or they're going to fucking die. Which is not a good way to go into a negotiation, even if you are what you think you are. But <clears throat> it doesn't go well, unsurprisingly. Because again, Rand is a dick. Um, and Tuan's a little bit of a dick back, which is also not totally justified, but Rand started. So you kind of get it. Um, and so then, yeah, as you said, she definitely at that point decides that they're going to go after the White Tower. Uh, it's a somewhat successful raid because they do actually capture a number of... Um, they get a number of Mara Thamane. Uh, and the only thing that really stops them from being completely successful is that Egwene is now in the tower. And she turns around and goes, nah, you Sean Chan fucks, uh, and pushes off the attack. Uh, but not before, as I said, a number of Marathamane are taken. Uh, Elida is taken from the tower. It cripples the tower in a lot of ways. It's not great. Um, though it is kind of great because it does allow the Saladar Sedai to come in and finish the job and remake the tower. Sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this all happens and they come back to the basically their staging grounds where Tuan is um they tell her about what happened they tell her about everything i think part of the reason that she ends up going ahead and doing this is because of Egwene and her success at the white tower uh but when she goes back to or when the, the troops come back from the White Tower, very soon after, as they're kind of licking their wounds in some ways, Rand shows up again. Well, really a messenger from Rand shows up again uh, mm. and says, hey, so you remember the last time that you and Rand talked? It wasn't great. Uh, he'd like another chance. Would you guys come down and sign the dragon's piece at the fields of Marilor 
so that we all fight the last battle together instead of not having your strength for the last battle. And Tuan goes, I will hear him out. So she goes to the fields of Merlor uh, and signs the dragon's piece. Uh, and then there's still a little bit of question as to whether she is going to actually charge her forces with fighting the last battle. Uh, but she does end up coming through. The Shan Chan are absolutely part of the force that fights the shadow in the last battle. Um, at, at which point she has a conversation with uh, Arthur Hawkwing, who has come back as one of the heroes of the horn. Uh, and he tells her congratulations on the baby and she goes i'm sorry what'd you just say <laughs> and he's like congratulations on the baby and she's like oh okay great uh guess it's time to go rebuild shan chan um uh and that is basically where she is at the end of the story um is presumably her and matt are going back to shan chan to show her up the difficulties that Sandar has been having with the death of all of the rest of the blood because Samarag was thorough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting things that happen at to me like for uh, for Tuona or Tuan's story really kicks off for the last battle. I mean, her that story is, is is interesting, or really kicks off. Well, yeah, um, because she winds up pregnant right before the last battle, because that's when Matt gets yet another badass scene, where she's looking and she's practicing like combat forms in the garden, and the Death Watch guard are all around her. You know, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to keep her safe," even though they just learned about oh I don't know fucking gateways, and they're like, "Yeah, it's impossible." Um. And then Matt just throws a dagger in her direction. She doesn't really care. Like, she trusts him, so she just watches a dagger stick in the arm of a gray man as the Death Watch guard all, like, rush and like, pin, try to pin Matt to the ground. Of each other, yeah. And he's just sitting there being like, um... Did you not see the assassin? And then literally embarrasses, like, <laughs> the creme a la creme of the fucking Sean Chan army. Yep. Um, Which, to in their defense, Grey Men are legitimately supposed to be the best assassins ever because they're 100% nigh unseeable. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that Matt does is because he's lucky as fuck and a Taviran. And so, like, again, he <laughs> has this advantage that they don't, but also, yes, they definitely are embarrassed because they're like, oh shit, our empress just almost died in this this stupid Westlander saved her. Yeah. All right, hang, but, on, um, hang on. Wait, no, I need to do that again. They're standing there being like, well, god dang it, Bobby, we just got our asses handed to us by Matrim Coffin. You brought a gray man into our, into our throne room? Whoa! Uh, which wasn't a throne, but into our so not right with that man, Bobby. Um, but then you get to see like some of the openness of some of the some of the uh, the Sean Chan, especially like the ruling class, because like she's like let him go, and then as she's like berating the Death Watch guard, telling them to let him go, she just strips, like just disrobes, 
And Matt's like, do you, will you ever love me? And she's like, the Empress never loves, but I am glad to see you. Then they spend the night together. And then an heir to the, to the Shaw Chan throne is presumably conceived. Yes. Um, but uh, after this, uh, whenever Tuan has her first true meeting, her first real, like, actual productive meeting with Rand, because the last Rand she met was not a Rand that should be negotiating international and foreign policy with, oh, I don't know, a massively successful empire. That Rand shouldn't be negotiating what outfit he should be wearing. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, but the Rand that that comes back now, obviously, as we're near the last battle, is this well put together, Ran? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, mostly Better well put together. Yeah, yeah. Better he's he's together. he's got his eggs all in mostly the same basket. It's a big basket, but it's mostly in the same basket. Um, and they're they're having this conversation, and Ran just starts ripping apart every detail of Fortuana's professed right to rule, and he's like. Okay, yeah, you may be descended from Alter Hawkwing, and so yeah, that would mean that you would have inherited his empire. Um, except if it wasn't for the fact that I'm the Dragon Reborn and I controlled all of the lands on the Earth before Alter Hawkwing was even alive. Um, yep. So, yeah. Um, how are you going to rationalize that? And she's like. Um, we're just I believe you're the dragon reborn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and so that's when they make uh, what many readers, uh, and understandably so, uh, think is the worst ever deal brokered by Rand because that's where Tuan agrees, or for yeah, Tuan agrees that the Shan Chan will be party to the dragon's peace, uh, based off of these conditions, and they will assist in the last battle against the shadow on the condition that they're able to maintain all the Maroth Damane that they have captured on the mainland thus far. Um, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. There was more stuff that I was looking at that happened after that because Fortuna does um, does meet with Egwene to talk about the terms of the Shan Chan aid uh, in the battle, in the last battle. And as expected, the conversation does not get off to a very kind start because Egwene hates the Shan Chan. And in the Shan Chan eyes, she is um, Marath Damani. So they don't really care for her either. Um, yeah. But I mean, Egwene eventually is like, you know, you guys once collared me. So that's kind of like, fuck you. Um, and then Fortune was like pissed that she didn't know about that. She was like, hey, if I'm going to go meet, oh, I don't know, the most powerful female channeler in the world, well, besides Nynaeve, but she doesn't know about Nynaeve. Uh, mm, no, most powerful. No, Nynaeve is stronger. She's stronger in the power, but not politically. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So, yeah. Fair fair I was talking power strength. <laughs> I know. You're, yeah, okay, so fair point. <laughs> With a, a, the strongest uh, female channeler in the world, asterisk. Yes, there um, we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, why the fuck didn't you tell me that, I don't know, she might hate our guts? And they're just kind of like, uh, whoops. Well, I love, I love the, the situation because she does say that. And I get why she says that. And I get why she's annoyed at that. But it's also like, 
are you even remotely aware of how down how far down the bureaucracy that was like lady we didn't tell you because none of us fucking knew nobody in your like inner circle court knew about this shit because that was so far down below our pay grade. yeah <laughs> um uh. But what I really like about this interaction between Egwene and uh, Tuan is it asterisk accomplishes something that the Dragon's Peace doesn't directly accomplish with the Shanjian. This is where Fortuna agrees that they will leave all the borders, at least in the Westlands, as they stand currently. Like we will leave the board, the sovereign borders as they are right now, no worries. And Egwene's like, yeah, you should also let go of Trimble King. And Fortuna's like, I don't want to let go of Trimble King. And Egwene's like, well, you don't have a leader there, um, and they don't acknowledge the Shawn as rulers there, so just let it go. And Fortuna's like, fair point. All right, cool. Um, and so now... Way to back me into a corner, lady. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't, am I remembering wrong? Um, wasn't the wasn't the scene of the far snow on Tremel King? Sorry, say again? The, the, the sexy glue. Wasn't that in Tremel King? Or is that actually in the Sean Chan lands? I can't remember. I am pretty sure that it's in Sean Chan lands, but I don't actually know that for sure. I think... Well, at the time I'm of ours, I have a Tremel King Sean Chan lands. Correct. Which is why, as far as I am fully aware, um, it is never confirmed where it was. Uh, Also, if I am remembering correctly, Tremulking is actually not snowy enough. I think you're right. I think Um, I'm thinking Tremulking being important because of the Choden call. That's what I'm... That is correct. One of the Choden... The the female Choden call is in is on Tremalking. And it's because it's the female Tremalking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I had it stuck in my head. I'm going to cut that part out. Yeah, whatever. Just so I don't seem quite so dumb. (laughs) I don't think you sound dumb at all. Yeah, well, I don't either, but it was funny to say. (laughs) Anyway, um, so... That part is very accurate. (laughs) Um, So, Egwene uh, negotiates the release of Tremalking, which uh, is uh, a Seafolk stronghold, actually. Correct. Um, so the Sea Folk have that part back, which makes sense because Egwene does have a lot of love for the Windfinders and the Sea Folk. Um, and though it then, is a little rough because Egwene doesn't actually know that there's a lot less people on Tremalking at this time, oh, yeah. because actually a bunch of the the land living Sea Folk, the ones who make the porcelain. Have uh, killed themselves. Uh, Amayar. There you go. Yes. Uh, after the cleansing of Sidene, yeah. which is not great. Yeah. Um, but there's um, there's some interesting things that Egwene agrees to, but she she agrees to them with like a fair bit of logic. So, um, she agrees that the Shan Chan can send emissaries to Tarvalon. They'll have free board, um, and that they are allowed to collar any woman who wishes to be collared, which she obviously agrees to, thinking nobody in their right mind would agree to be collared. And then the counterpoint is like, oh, you say that, but 
though it's a very different mechanism, they people still willfully use the oath rod. Just will they continue to do so after they know the effects of the oath rod? Like they already know colors. Still, definitely a worse option. Absolutely, but um, yeah, you might only have half your life left after the oath rod, but at least you still control your life. So there's that. Well, it's also a question. It's also one of those situations where, again you understand very much why Robert Jordan leaves this part out of the story, but what does that actually mean? Does that mean that a woman who goes to the Sean Chan to be collared for whatever reason can go ahead and then decide to not be collared anymore after the fact? Does that mean that once they've made that initial decision, they never get another decision again? Like it's very, it's left very ambiguous, and I am not. I would not be surprised if he did that on purpose to a lot of an extent. Um, but as that meeting starts to draw to a close, you know, Egwene points out, she's like, "Well, anybody that can control the color, your soldom, uh, can also learn to channel." So, for the same reason, you color uh, Marathamani. Um, you should be collaring the soldom as well by your own logic. And Fortuono gets very defensive uh, for the obvious reason that she could be a soldom. Um, yep. And then Matt kind of gets in the middle, is like, "Hey, whoa, hey, whoa." Um, and then they finally make the agreement, to like you know, obviously the the final little stipulation um, that Fortuono wins out on is she's like, you know, we will fight. But Sean Chan forces will listen to Sean Chan generals, not you. Yeah. Um, which Egwene is like, I really don't care. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like, as, long as, <laughs> as long as they're there soaking up trollic blades, I I don't care. Yes. Um, and at this point, well, Min, and of course, Min that... is still the doomseer for, for Fortuona. Correct. It's also kind of funny because that, at the time that the Sean Chan actually show up to help in the last battle, um, the compulsion of the four great captains that are left have basically like they've basically been recused or relieved of duty by the time that the Sean Chan show up but at the same time it's also a situation where like if they were under the tutelage of those great captains they'd be so much more fucked than the fact that they're under their own general <laughs> so it's definitely one of those like moments where you're like eh. That might have been a good idea. And quick correction on what I just said. Uh, Min is not as of yet her doom seer, but does become her doom seer after this meeting with Egwene because they're walking back and Min just kind of accidentally offhand mentions that, hey, there's going to be an assassination attempt on your li on Tuan's life. And Tuan's like, oh, you can see the future? You're my doom seer. Um, you're going to stay with me from now on. And Matt's like, you should really stay with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then after this, of course, is when we get into um, the the full actual last battle um, where the Sean Chan forces all retreat uh, under the by the order of, of Fortuona and Matt. Because Fortuona turns out to be an actually incredibly talented tactician as well, which oh, yeah. should be. Um. Uh, and so mainly through uh, 
her faith in Matt and a lot of her own planning that she helps Matt with um, Deshaun Shannon make a significant difference uh, in the battle. Um, yes, they do. So the only thing we're left with wondering, and I don't know how much we actually wonder about it, is uh, do do Avienda's views come true? Does does Tuan do anything that actually staves off a, a reinvigorated Sean Chan invasion? Um, there's reason to believe that her conversation with um, with her ancestor there, with Alter, um, does a lot to convince her to like, you know, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah, because I'm pretty. I think doesn't Alter pretty much after like before saying, oh, and by the way, congrats on the baby. Um, it's pretty much like, you know, like my kingdom had its day. If it's no longer you know, part of the consolidated kingdom of Otter Hawkway. That happens for a reason. You know, yeah. Kind of like, just fucking go with it. He's like, you accept all these omens that tell you to just go with things as they are. And this is like the one of the only things that you just don't care. They're just like, no, we got to do it. Um, but, I mean, I, I can kind of understand why she's so dead set on this because... She was born in 980 NE. And so at the time of the last battle, she's 19, maybe 20 years old. 19, 20 years old. Yeah, in 999 or 1000. Um, literally her entire life, the Shantan had been planning the return to oh, yeah. retake the Westlands. So her entire life has been gearing her to potentially be the empress uh, that presides over, you know, this ultimate realization of Sean Chan goals. Yep. So it's a lot of these things, a lot of these concessions, in her mind at least, concessions that they make um, are actually pretty massive concessions for her as the empress to make. Oh, so yeah. We're not going to take any more Marathamani. That is an incredibly massive departure from Sean Chan doctrine and tradition in history. Mm -hmm. Um. The we'll leave the sovereign borders as they are. We will relinquish control of Trimble King. That's part of, of the land that they were looking to, to reclaim, uh, which the land they're looking to reclaim is just all of it. So, I mean, there's that yeah. fucking manifest destiny, motherfucker. Holy shit. But, <laughs> but, um, though I will say, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, there is a lot of, of serious truth um, in, in the fact that Tuan is having to go back on years of tradition. But there's also a lot that can be said about the fact that in her mind, there was always the chance that the Empress was going to be killed before the end of this. There's always the chance that that happens, especially given how treacherous and treasonous and assassin trigger happy the blood are to each other. Um, and there was always the chance that Randland or the Westlands or whatever you want to call them was going to put up a little bit more of a fight than they necessarily expected. But there's so much that happens that is just outside of the scope of what you would realistically 
think of as possibilities between the time of you're born and you're learning Sean Chan traditions and then the Kareen and then what's actually happening at the last battle. Because like, seriously, one of the Forsaken actually just coming in and taking out all of the successors to the throne, including the person sitting on it, not something that she could have foreseen really. Um, Unless her signs are way better than they actually appear. And also she just didn't fucking do anything about it when she did see those signs. Like, but not something that you could really see coming. The fact that Sidene is cleansed and Randland actually has a bunch of Ashaman in it. Not something that you could see coming. The fact that she's getting there and the Dragon Reborn is alive, well, and doing shit not something that they could have seen coming. So there's a lot of things that are definitely different <laughs> than the original traditions of the Shan Chan. And I think that while I absolutely feel very strongly that Tuan is capable of and reason- reasonable enough to actually consider those things, and actually say maybe our traditions aren't the right ones and we need to reconsider this she's also being hammered over and over with new things that are happening during a war she did not think she was going to be fighting with a position she did not think she would have with new things coming to light about like the actual fundamentals of that traditions and things like that and it's it definitely takes us some of the wind out of the sails of, oh, that actually just makes, you know, Tuan a much more reasonable person. Even though, again, I think she is, it's also so many different things that are just not what she thought that they were. And so the fact that she's being more reasonable is both... I think who she is as a character, but also all of these revelations that she's finding out since coming to the Westlands. And it's it's a very interesting position for her to be in. Um, and also a very interesting position for her to stay in. Because I think that on the one hand, when people are faced with all of these different changes there are two kinds of people in the world the ones who dig their heels in and the ones who change to match and Tuan's this kind of like weird conglomeration in the middle of there are certain traditions that she just digs her heels in and goes nope absolutely not we've done this my whole life we've done this for so many years this is the way that we're doing it and you can't tell me otherwise and a lot of others where she's like oh yeah no I uh I see the problem with that. I see uh, I see why why we wouldn't want to do that and uh, we're going to go ahead and change those things. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I guess. So I, I think that Tuan is a very interesting character and I actually overall like that she is different than a number of the other Sean Chan that we meet a la Suroth and Turok, for example. But at the same time, she's rough to read. Because, again, in that meeting with Rand and that meeting with 
Egwene, she is given so much information that on some level is hard. You, you I, I respect her for the fact that it's hard to verify in the moment, but she definitely looks at the information that she's been given and goes, so what? And anytime that somebody is given new information and they look at you and say, so what? That person is rough to read because there are just way too many people in real life who do that and very few of them are actually good people to hang out with. (laughs) The people who are actually able to get new information and change how they look at the world, those are the people that I appreciate and and definitely get my vote for, you know, our solid empathetic people. Uh, and the people who can't are rough to be around. Because some of them are even good people. But when they're given new information and can't slash aren't willing to go ahead and actually change their view of things is... It's hard... I, Matt Stagger, you have it very much on the head. She's very reasonable for a Sean Chan. That's correct. And that's why she's a little hard to read because that's kind of like saying you're, you know, the shortest basketball player. Like most of them are very, very tall. So it's not really saying that they're short. It's just they're short for a basketball player. And so again, it's, you know, she's reasonable for a Sean Chan is she's more reasonable than the other Sean Chan, but that doesn't necessarily make her reasonable. It just makes her more reasonable. <laughs> anyway, those are sort of my th- final thoughts on, on two on Andrew. What, what do you got? What are your, what are your thoughts on two on? I mean, Ooh. I think the reasonable aspect is, is a good uh, hop on point for, for my final thoughts. Awesome. Um, Cause I don't know many leaders in the wheel of time that are reasonable um that's one of the big things is a lot of these leaders you know the ones we love and the ones we don't whether you love or hate ran whether you love or hate parent or matt as leaders whether you love or hate morgays or elaine or any of the wise ones plenty of these people get new information and go so what um and to a degree i can understand that because if you're giving me new information and it's the first time I'm hearing it and I can't verify anything and it goes vehemently against something I believe, um, then it, uh, you're not going to take it hard. Nobody is. Um, you're going to be like, I'm going to have to look at that more before I say anything. Now you should say sure. that. Like, I'm going to have to look at that more, not just. And so then actually what? do it. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> um that's but I mean, I there, there comes in the other side of that as well is, ju- you know, just because you're presenting new information that is a truth for you doesn't necessarily mean that it is a, a truth for that person. Um, now, there is like a truth, of course, there is like a truth and there is not a truth, but um, a lot of things are more subjective than people want to give them credit for. Um, which is why you should have conversations with people about the things they believe in. It should be a conversation, not an argument, not a, um, should be a conversation, not an exercise in evangelism. Uh, it's the biggest thing. Or don't. I'm, yeah. Might be the <laughs> wrong was, word. <laughs> have a conversation. Um, 
Because I think I think what more people would find is that people have a lot more in common in terms of like their values than sensationalized statements and headlines would lead you to believe. Um, but two one is yeah, it's definitely like saying like she's the best behaved criminal, right? Like you're still in jail. <laughs> but you're allowed to work the library because you don't try to shank the other inmates. Like she does she definitely sees the light on several issues. Um, there are indications that she is going to eventually see the light um, on other things like the practice of the money, if nothing else. Uh, we've seen over and over again leaders make decisions based purely off of their own vested interests and how they think it'll influence them. Um and I think she very much falls into that category of either I have to submit myself, the empress, uh, to do this, which will, if you thought the last empress dying threw everybody into chaos, let an empress surrender to be, uh, uh, you know, demonic. Collared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'd be like, I don't know, a sitting U.S. president actually getting arrested and thrown in prison. Um, except, you know, it's not single point rule, so that's not really a good thing. It'd be like if the municipal deputies of, like, St. Petersburg and Moscow uh, got what they're apparently calling for, and Putin got thrown in jail by the Duma, um, Russia would probably be in absolute chaos, which is a terrifying mm -hmm. prospect to consider. Anyway, yes, it um, is. I, uh, but yeah, I don't particularly enjoy reading too much of Tuan's sections. I think it's interesting, much in the same way that if you're not really into glass blowing, glass blowing is interesting. Like it's cool to watch. It's interesting information to see, but you know, I can kind of take it or leave it. So, sorry, you actually just just popped in uh, another of my final thoughts on on two on which is one of the things that i will actually say uh because i think it's important to say one of the reasons that we actually love this series so much is the realism in it and if nothing else Tuan is real she is she is written realistically uh, a ruler who is given new information that goes against all of their previous traditions and their whole life absolutely will sometimes just say, so what? Uh, and again, you don't need to like reading those things for it to be realistic. It can be hard to read. In fact, part of the reason that it's hard to read is that we all know people like that. And that's actually part of what makes it harder to read. If it was totally outlandish, I feel like all of us would be like, this is so interesting. Nobody actually acts like that. But they yeah. do, though. Yeah. But on the same token, she also shows that there are, just like there are leaders that will say, so what? There are leaders yes. that will also go, fair point. Let's make some yes. changes. No, um, absolutely. And so that's, that's the other thing that I will say about uh, Tuan is that she does feel real. She does feel realistic. And that's one of the things that I actually appreciates about her in some ways uh, is that Robert Jordan includes a lot of characters we don't like 
for the realism of those people. Um, and even though that makes a character I don't like, I do appreciate their inclusion by Robert Jordan in the story because it does make more characters that are realistic. You can not like a good character. Yes. But Tuan exactly. is a good character. Yes. As Even if a, she's like, not a good person necessarily. Yeah. She doesn't have good character. She is a good character. I see what um, you did there. I like yeah. that. <laughs> every, every once in a while I, I say something good. Um, you say good things a lot. But yeah, uh, so if the Sean Chan part of this discussion uh, piqued uh, your interest more than actually talking about Tuan, uh, we've done some episodes on the Sean Chan, talking about different things with the Sean Chan. Uh, so you're more than welcome, of course, and encouraged to go back and listen to some of those and let us Absolutely. know if there's anything from those you need to rehash. But um, what are some of your favorite, either favorite that you really enjoyed the moments or favorite that you really hated the moments and they stick out to you um, with Tuan? Uh and I know, much like Matt Stagger has said in the live chat, I agree. Uh, it's a lot easier to read two on when Matt is around to provide some form of comedic relief to whatever bullshittery is going on. Um, but let us know in the comments below. You can hop over in our Discord and let us know. We have a channel for, uh, for our episode discussions where you can talk full spoilers on the episodes. If you're a Patreon member, you can comment on the early access if you're able to get there. And uh, let us know what you think about it if you weren't able to listen live. And of course, if you want to be able to live comment and tell us how wrong or right we are, by all means, join the Patreon and come and please join us in our live recordings every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, which is 5 p.m. Pacific. If you're one of those West Coasties, not an East Coastie. West Coasties. That sounds like a dessert. Yeah, it does. <laughs> West Coasties and East Coasters. There we go. It sounds like an entire like seaboard based like I don't know exactly what sports team. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't know. Maybe like ultimate dodgeball teams. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nation's biggest game of Red Rover, Red Rover. There you let's, go. Uh, let San Francisco come over. I love it. Everybody in the middle of the country is just screaming as two walls of people just rush to them. <laughs> Somebody plays the Attack on Titan music. Yeah, oh, man. Anyway, Solid stuff. All right, but yes, the thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Thank you very much for being here for this episode. Uh, we are sorry that our Sorvan Mahal got disconnected by his ISP. Uh, hopefully, not, he will. Go but I ahead feel like and... Xfinity is going to be sorry. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> I I would have loved to get his opinion in here just because I like more opinions. Um, but it was, for better or for worse, uh, more succinct. <laughs> It's just the two of us. Yeah, we took one third of the perspectives out of the uh, out of the conversation. It's amazing how much less that makes an episode last when you just yeah. eliminate a third of the opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we wish him well. We wish Xfinity to be better uh, and hope that he rips 
someone who actually deserves it a new one if you're actually just a a foot soldier at xfinity then i am so sorry for you when you get the call from josh tomorrow <laughs> but uh, we are very glad that you were here. We are so happy that you listened uh, to this episode. Definitely, as Andrew said, uh, come on into the Patreon family. We'd love to see you for the live episodes. Um, I have been your Amon Khan Mahail, Daniel. The Soravan Mahail has been here in spirit, if that wasn't clear already. And I have been your Bajan Mahail, Andrew. And from all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, we hope that you are having a lovely week, an amazing Friday or Tuesday or whatever day it is for you. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Trouble just fitting.